Hello, Trash Crusaders. Welcome back to Save Trash Cinema, the podcast, where exploitation and exploration come together. This is episode 30. It is 2023, and I am your humble host, your guide through trash cinema, and your favorite dumpster boy, Cayman Darty. And on today's episode, we're giving up our old selves, forging new paths, and setting our resolutions towards murder. When we cover the 1980 holiday horror film, New Year's Evil. But before we get to that, let me introduce you to the man whose New Year's resolution is to set the Guinness Book of World Records for the most Alberta Chili Bowls performed over the course of one weekend. My friend, Patrick Schweiger. All right, here we go. Let me let me Google it. Oh, Alberta no. Chili Bowl, Urban Dictionary. In the middle of anal sex with a female, pull out and proceed to vomit in the gaping Urban Dictionary says, the gaping <laughs> asshole. Once done vomiting, continue the anal sex until climax. The sludgy mess that escapes her rear afterwards provides your chili bowl with its contents. Cayman! Oh my god! It's 2023, baby! Let's do this shit! New oh year, god. put the dumpster boy in prison. And our very special guest on today's show needs few introductions and even fewer reasons to divorce me than she already has. My wife and everyone's favorite dumpster girl, Sydney Darty. What I do? God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I I hesitate to ask the question, but I mean, do you guys know this because this is like your your Saturday afternoon go to? Hey, oh you take, god, you take my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm so sorry to everyone. We started off the new year hot. But before we jump into the rest of this dog shit of an episode, let's do a little quick housekeeping. We'd love it if you rate and reviewed the podcast on your podcast app of choice. Don't forget you can be on the show by submitting movie recommendations or by being a guest host by emailing us at savetrashcinema.gmail.com or you can DM us on Twitter at savetrashcinema, Instagram savetrashcinema, it's the same thing. It's not too late to celebrate the Trashmas season with us, so if you haven't yet listened to our incredible Trashmas episodes from the past month, you still have time. We will be continuing to release minisodes, crossover episodes, interviews, and even game shows. So keep your eyes peeled for some exciting content coming down the pipeline. And speaking of exciting content, Patrick, yes. next week, guess what we're doing? What are we doing next week? A year one in review of Ooh. STC, which is going to be incredible. We're going to highlight some of our favorite moments um of the previous year we're celebrating our one year anniversary as a podcast and uh, we're gonna be talking about some new fun things we have coming up i'm really excited for the supercut you make of all of the nasty gnarly things you've introduced me i as. was just thinking the same thing please do that <laughs> yeah that's gotta happen well i guess you'll find out next week but without out of the way why don't we do an overview of new year's evil <laughs> New Year's Evil is a 1980s holiday horror film directed by Emmett Alston and written by Alston as well as Leonard Nubar. Leonard Nubar is best known as the writing force behind the classic black exploitation film Black Snake. Emmett Alston, on the other hand, has created some real trash cinema classics with directing credits behind Three Day Weekend, Nine Deaths of the Ninja, as well as trash cinema for kids' film favorite, Three Little Ninjas. Whoa. Three Crazy. Little Ninjas? Three Little Ninjas. 
shit man crazy stuff that this guy made this movie let's go the story goes as such new year's eve is on its way and tv's most famous punk rock lady icon blaze is holding a late hour countdown celebration of music and partying all is going well until blaze receives a phone call from an odd sounding stranger announcing on live television that when new year strikes in each time zone a naughty girl will be murdered and the killer leaves a threat saying someone close to her will die at the last hour, the studio take crew takes precautions and heightened security. But on the other side of L.A., a hospital nurse is found brutally butchered. Who could be behind these murders? A crazed fan, a religious psychotic, or perhaps it's someone much closer to Blaze than she realizes. The film stars Roz Kelly from Happy Days, Full Moon High, and Trapper John M.D., it all comes full circle to here. It, we we really brought it back. That's like an August episode. It's been happening like every other episode now. We have someone for fucking Trapper John. Trapper John. It also let's go. it also stars Kip Niven uh, from A Fire in the Sky, Airport 1975, and Clint Eastwood's Magnum Force, as well as Grant Kramer from Killer Clowns from Outer Space, Annie Lee's Meat Pies, and Nick Cage's Willy's Wonderland. That's is that why I recognize this person because of Willy's Wonderland. Probably. I mean, I'm assuming you probably haven't seen Annie Lee's meat pies, but we'll I get sure to that on a I future sure episode. Don't worry. Ooh, the film runs. Pies. <laughs> oh god, no. The Bring film runs the film runs for an hour and twenty-five minutes and sports a rotten tomato score of twenty-five percent. You can currently stream the film through Shutter or Paramount Plus. As of recording, we were unable to rent the film through Amazon, but you can rent it through YouTube or watch a slightly edited version for free through YouTube as well. In terms of physical media, you can snag a copy for around $20 on Blu-ray in a very nice collector's edition format. Now, with the overview out of the way, why don't we take some time to discuss some initial thoughts? I'm going to start off this episode with my wife, um, the beautiful dumpster girl herself. Sydney, what, what were your thoughts going into New Year's Evil? Um, so this is one that we had never seen together before, which is a rarity for me. Mm. So I was, um, open and I didn't, I didn't want Cayman to tell me anything about it. He of course tried to give me an overview before he watched it. I was like, no, I'm going yep. in completely blank. Um, and I would say overall, I was surprised and I'm going to leave it there. Oh, okay. All right. Now, Patrick, what were your initial thoughts going into new year's evil? So I had the pleasure of watching this film last night. We have some house guests. Uh, we have some guests from out of town staying with us. And I was like, hey, I have to watch this movie for this podcast. You should listen if you don't already subscribe. Apple, Spotify, all of the above. Uh, and so they were excited. They're like, awesome. We love these kinds of movies. And But I was like, well, let's watch a trailer first. I like to, if I'm watching it with someone else, I like to watch a trailer first so that they have like some sort of an expectation. And watching the trailer... I we were all confused. The trailer does a good job of not telling you what the fuck this movie's about, which so many trailers so often will just give you the entire movie. And we stopped the trailer after like two minutes because we're like, this is not helping us in any way other than it's showing us some things that happen in this movie. So let's just watch it. So I was uh, I had tentative high hopes for this movie going in uh, before we watch because this is a movie I'd never heard of until which, you know, so often is the case on this podcast. Um, I was not familiar with the New Year's Evil, so so yeah, that's those are my expectations going in. So, well, I'm glad for both of you that you guys all had 
very low expectations before <laughs> this started. Um, for me, I've seen this movie previously. And it's a, for me, I don't know. I think when I think of the New Year's time, I try to the holiday horror films. I do love me some good holiday horror films, as everyone knows. Mm-hmm. And um, I found out earlier today, apparently there's another New Year's horror film from 1987 called bloody new year so we'll be covering that in 2024 Uh, but with that being said um i don't know i i definitely chose this film specifically because it is a new year's horror film and let's keep tradition alive and let's do that and i'm not going to say that i was a huge fan the first time i watched it but i can tell you that i have a lot of new thoughts the second time sure and i'm very excited to dissect them with you you said that there's one other horror film around new year's you know there's a third the 2011 film starring Zac Efron, Ashton Kutcher, uh, basically everyone in Hollywood film called New Year's Eve. I believe that is a horror film. I think you might be right. I definitely think you might be right. We might cover that next year. We'll see. <laughs> well, with those thoughts out of the way, why don't we get the show on the road? New Year's Evil, everyone. One night, they were celebrating New Year's Eve. He was out, ending their life. New Year's Evil. Getting ready in the green room, Blaze is getting her makeup done. Her assistant is missing. She calls asking if her husband will be attending the show. He's not. He's coked up and loaded down in South Beach, Florida. I mean, who wasn't? No, he was in Palm Springs. Oh. Well, he was somewhere. <laughs> who? I mean, who wasn't? Palm Springs. Uh, whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. He was coked up. And when you're coked up, it doesn't matter where you are because everything <laughs> is everything is something. The everything assist- is something. <laughs> the assistant is getting ready to meet her for the big gig. Someone opens the door to her hotel room. She investigates, but only sees a man at the end of the hallway walking away. Someone then jumps out of the shower, grabs her, puts a scalper to her neck, and title screen, New Year's Evil. <laughs> I think this is uh, the only way you could say that, right? I think so. I, I, I think scientifically, yes. Um, I, this, the opening of this movie pulled me in immediately. I was like, all right, I love the vibe. Uh, they're doing the old twist and turn, like, is this the person at the end of the hallway? Nope, they're in the shower. They're about to kill you. So I this it quickly pulled me in. And we're forgetting the hotel, the hotel that's branded in the opening mm. scene of the movie. Holiday Inn. <laughs> the Holiday Inn Hotel long yeah. shot was classic. I I wonder if right before Chingy released his classic single, The Holiday Inn, if if he watched this movie and got inspiration. What you doing? I be chilling at the Holiday Inn. <laughs> Where you been? Good I don't remember Lord. the next slide. I do want to point out that the assistant, she has like the, the 80s dreads with the beads in them. Mm. And I love the, that the fact that like they didn't cut out the sound of her beads. So like during the entire segment of her on screen, which is very short because she dies like immediately. Yeah. It's just like all sounds are muffled because all you hear is like... Of all the plastic beads slapping around together. That is a theme in this movie of whoever was in charge of the boom mic 
was a, not doing what, a great job. Wonderful job. Sound sound quality is um, an interesting thing in this movie. Yes. I love it. We get an opening credits montage of street punks, boobs, and the perfect 80s hair metal movie theme song of New Year's Evil, which I do want to say, and I say this every single time we get a movie, I feel like you are hitting peak trash cinema if you have a song written performed recorded that is the theme song of your movie we don't do that anymore and honestly i think we're worse off for it well also this song happens to fucking it slaps it bangs it bops all any of those that uh terminology this song fucking goes hard the song is incredible. Now, our montaging street punks, they arrive at the hotel, the old Holiday Inn, for the big New Year's bash. They're a real riot, one might say. I'm curious if either of you had this experience watching this movie. The, going into, the, right before they get to the hotel, as you mentioned, during the montage, there four of them are sitting on the back of the convertible. Do you, have a, like, do you ever feel like you missed out by not actually growing up as an adult in the 80s because you no. couldn't sit on the back of a convertible? I literally with your hair slicked back. Yeah. Like, I just, I, I feel a little robbed of life experience not being able to do that. I told Sid when we were watching the movie, I was like, I really do feel like I grew up in the wrong era. I wanted to be one of these street punks going to the New Year's Evil bash at a Holiday Inn in 1980. I and I feel like I was done a disservice by not being allowed that. Yeah, I, I think so too. And and I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention during this when uh, they, they're trying to get into the, the Holiday Inn one of the punks with the slick back hair who looks like uh, he has absolutely no color in his skin. Maybe he's a vampire pulls out a switchblade, mm -hmm. except it's a comb and he starts brushing his slicking his hair back. Beautiful stuff. Love that. Actually, Sid pointed out a, a pretty good point during this scene when they all get out of the car, the entire time there's only like five people in the car. No, there's the eight, there's eight in the car. And then when they get out of the car, there's nine people. So somehow an extra person was somewhere that we couldn't see during this whole. Oh, it was a clown goodness. car convertible. I would also like to add that the way that they shoot this part, it seems like these are going to be some of the main characters fucking shit up in this movie. And I'm here to tell you, we almost never see them again. Basically never see them again. Yes. And I, that's something I didn't actually consider until right now. And that's that's a shame. It is a shame. I would have loved to have seen that. But then again, we can always watch Surf Nazis Must Die and we'll get all of those street punks for the full film. So I guess we'll have to do that soon, too. Now, back at Blaze's green room, her son Derek arrives. Derek's a little bitch. Derek has landed a new role on some TV shows called Spaceship America, which sounds awful. It starts shooting next week. He's very excited. He shouldn't be because he's a little bitch. <laughs> now, Blaze is preoccupied by the big gig, and Derek is visibly distraught over her lack of giving a shit about his stupid fucking TV show. So Derek opts to stay back and watch the big gig from the green room. Immediately. Horrible vibes from Derek. The worst vibes. Like, this kid is going to murder people at some point. I immediately get that vibe from this kid. Title IX laws were written about Derek. Yes, correct. 100%. And we cut to the Hollywood hotline. Now, this is the presentation that they're putting on. Essentially, it's like MTV that once existed, if you're old enough to remember what that was. And Blaze 
is the hostess of their New Year's bash called New Year's Evil Bash, which is a I love the name, but honestly, I also don't understand why the fuck it's called that. Uh, yeah, but they that is works. something that they like don't address is like why it's called New Year's Evil. But that's neither here nor there. How about some trivia, Cayman? Uh, actress Roz Kelly, who played the central character of Diane, also known as Blaze Sullivan, was well known at the time of this film for portraying Pinky Tuscadero on the television series Happy Days, where her character there was one of the Fonz's girlfriends. I had no idea. I did mm. not recognize her as such. Mm. Could you imagine if Fonz just showed up at like some point during this movie? I, I mean, I hoped. I, I actively hoped. Also, during like once the beginning of this is happening, I'm. I don't think this is mentioned. Uh, looking ahead very quickly, she s- tells people to boil their hair. What? Did you? Did anybody catch that? No. That was lost on me. Like. I if she it's like in the little opening spiel she's talking about like the night and things and at some point I should have written down the whole line but she tells people to boil their hair and I was like is this something that women were told to do in the eighties was to boil their hair and I... and then follow up question how would that happen do you just like dunk your head in and hope you don't burn yourself I've got to be honest you... with you that whole part where she was talking when she comes on stage. It sounds like just a total mix of jumbled words. How do you start the Sure. It is New Year's Evil. Ooh. So I didn't catch like half of that. Fair, 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 fair. Well, it's important to point out that we are for hours until midnight. A man <laughs> calls in on the top music hotline. His name is Evil. And I'm that voice, that is his voice. Don't question it watch the movie you'll understand that is his voice and now he tells blaze that um his new year's resolution is that he is going to commit murder and kill someone close to blaze she laughs him off then the band plays the movie theme song once again to get the crowd hyped which i love that they just immediately played the song we listened to not 60 seconds ago because the song is so good i was like yeah let's listen to it again i'm done we hear this song like eight or nine times throughout the film it reminds me of the old trash classic the mutilator Mm. where they had a band come in and do a song called fall break because the movie was originally titled fall break then they changed it at the last minute but they didn't like get a new song recorded (laughs) so you got this movie called the mutilator and they just briefly mentioned the fact that these kids are on fall break and then you get like this theme song playing like eight times during the movie and it makes no fucking sense. Just great stuff. Also, like immediately, these people in this crowd, I'm curious about what drug they're on. And it's never addressed. But they like this mosh pit thing that they're doing. It's It looks like they're just all on quaaludes and they're like three inches from falling asleep. But they're just like all is like body thrusting. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're on ketamine. It is the 80s. <laughs> yes, I think the so. 80, they're ketamine and quaaludes. It is the 80s. Now, Blaze runs off stage and tells her manager that she needs police protection. He tells her not to stress over it. It's just some hooligan playing a prank. Then the band plays on. So we've talked about this band already, how this song just fucking slaps. Oh, yeah. And let's talk about who this band is. So the name of the new wave rock group in the movie, the first one is called Shadow. And then we see another one later in the movie. I, I, I'm guessing they're the ones that are made in Japan. One of the two. Those are the two bands in this movie, Shadow and Made in Japan. And talented. 
You know, we're good, watching the movie looking. last night. Watching the movie last night. I'm a little drunk at this point, and we get to the credits, and it comes up and it tells you the band names, and Sid's like, "Look, made in Japan." And I was like, "This movie was not made in Japan. There's no <laughs> way this movie was made in Japan." She's like, "Came in." No, you're right. The movie wasn't made in Japan. The band is named Made in Japan. And then it was just like a whole reawakening for me. Yeah, but honestly, Sid needs a lot of credit for dealing with your bullshit. A hundred percent. Absolutely accurate. Yeah. Now we cut back to the evil stranger we know as Mr. Evil going forward. And he is running into the Crawford Sanitarium. He sneaks in through the kitchen as the patients all dance around the common room watching the New Year's Evil bash on television. And I, I had to wonder here if because the way that the patients are like the patients seem a lot like the audience of this <laughs> of New Year's Evil bash. They're like barely there, just like fumbling around, like bumping into each other. I don't know if that was on purpose, but ketamine and quaaludes, <laughs> ketamine and quaaludes. Now, Mr. Evil runs into a nurse and claims that his name is Jeff Winters, and he's been sent in by the county to help for the holiday. He's also got a boombox. He hits on the nurse and offers up some champagne to her. She takes him up on the offer because, one, this is trash cinema, and two, Mr. Evil is 80s hot. He's got the hair. Uh... Mr. Evil's 80s hot, Sid. You can't tell me otherwise. Okay, but she's so willing to just some stranger walks up and says, I brought my own music and my own champagne. Let's take this to the other room. No conversation. No backstory. Let's just go ahead and take this to the other room because it's New Year's Eve. I don't know if you guys know this, but any bad decisions you make in the year previous, once the new year hits, they're all abdicated and done away with. So if you're going to make some real stupid decisions, I don't know, like maybe giving Be your murdered. kids cigarettes to smoke. Um, you know what? This is the perfect time to do it is New Year's Eve. So I yeah, think I mean, technically, she didn't get to take any of that with her afterwards. So I yeah. think it worked out well for her. Ugh. That is true. Now, Sergeant Green, he shows up to the uh, the hotel and he tells Blaze that she all that she also shouldn't stress over Mr. Evil uh, because of the phone call and all of that crap. Uh, it, because all, essentially her audience are made up of freaks. That's that's his his logic and reasoning. Don't stress it. Your audience are freaks and weirdos. So no big deal. I mean, he's not wrong. Well, he says he says that the people that are at the show, these new wave music listeners, are uh, they create the problem. That's what he says. You people amaze me because you're the ones that create this problem. Satanic panic bullshit. Where the fuck is Nancy Reagan so I can punch her in her dumb dead face? Mm. Now, Blaze disagrees, so he tells her they'll trace the call if the if the, the caller phones back in. So, that, like, Mr. Evil calls back in, they'll attempt to trace it, but don't stress it, blah, blah, blah. So, she calls back to the green room to chat up with Derek, who's still upset. He says he can't reach his Papa Richard, and he has something important to tell her, but she hangs up on his pathetic ass. And then Derek takes a handful of pills. Oh boy, here we go. And okay. not only, yeah, good, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I just, this scene, I have so many questions about because he takes these pills and then I can't tell if he's like choking on them or something. And then there's like all this red stuff in his mouth. And I can't, I can't really tell what's happening except for that he's just trying to squeeze his head. 
Is this, am I misremembering that this is the time when he puts the pantyhose on his head or is that later? That's later. <laughs> That's later. Okay. Okay. Uh, which yeah. Are this, red. which you're sure. all, yes. There's a lot of that. I, yeah. This, this boy needs all sorts of help. Oh boy, does he? We'll get to you how, why he needs even more help here shortly. Back at the sanitarium, Mr. Evil is making out with a nurse. And then Mr. Evil turns on the recording feature of his boom box, which I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently it is. And as the clock strikes midnight, he stabs the nurse to death. Three hours until midnight. Also, though, so to go back to the point about the nurse. So they're like drinking and she like she's like, OK, sure. Like, let's have a drink. And then he's like, will you dance with me? And she's like, oh, sure. This is sweet. And then he starts to try to kiss her and like feel her up. And she's like, I don't know. I just met you. And he's like, well, is that a problem? And she goes, no. Like, <laughs> you know, follow your instinct, bitch. You don't feel good about this. Just because he asked you, like, come on. I like I mean, it when women are empowered. Look, I know maybe she's trying to, like, be in her slut era or whatever, but i just i felt i didn't feel good about this you're just jealous patrick because you still haven't had a slut era but you're we right. were fixing that in 2023 <laughs> her era didn't last very long. one so. alberta chili bowl at a time one alberta chili <laughs> oh, bowl at God. a time and mr <laughs> evil's meat pies right there <laughs> mr evil calls back into the new year's party and talks with blaze he tells her that he he isn't jiving her because that's the thing that people said in 1980 he ain't jiving her and he did just kill his first victim. Then he plays her the recording of the nurse screaming her final breaths. And he tells her that she can tell the police they can find the body at the Crawford Sanitarium and that he'll call her back in an hour. Now, back at the sanitarium, one of the nurses finds the mutilated corpse of the first victim shoved into a broom closet. No good. No good indeed. Now in the green room, Derek is cutting up some red fishnet fabric with a knife. What a fucking loser. <laughs> Talks to himself in the mirror and says he has a mental disorder, then puts the fishnet over his head. He then also pierces his ear with a needle. Once again, what a fucking loser this guy is. And like the 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 what they are setting up for this kid. I feel like I don't want to jump ahead too much. I don't want to like spoil anything, but I feel like it kind of doesn't end up paying off. Like it kind of does. We'll get to that. But like this kid putting pantyhose on his head and piercing his own ears. Like I was expecting him at some point to just like go on a killing spree in this hotel. Yeah. yeah and the way that they, the way that they shoot this is he has the pantyhose and he's like watching his mom on TV in this really creepy way. Yeah. And then like puts them on over his face. And I don't understand the whole piercing the ear thing with the needle. It's almost like he's attaching the pantyhose to his ear by like just putting the, the needle through. Yeah. I, I felt like maybe he just, he just wanted to feel something. I mean, he definitely felt something. He felt red fishnet all over that creepy fucking face of his. <gasps> Jesus. Now, Sergeant Green confronts Blaze and tells her that they found a dead nurse at the sanitarium and that the killer is indeed real. Sergeant surmises that Mr. Evil is going to continue to kill a person at midnight in every time zone. Which... Is a fucking cool concept for yeah. a horror killer, like in a in a movie like this. Like it's a pretty cool 
I liked the bit. I liked the like his uh, modus operandi or mm-hmm. whatever you call it. I liked that. Um, some trivia as well for us came in. This movie debuted in the same 1980 year as other slasher film horror genre pictures, such as Prom Night, Friday the 13th, He Knows You're Alone, Terror Train, Terror on Tour, and To All a Good Night. That's a pretty stacked year. And I will say, To All a Good Night is actually a Christmas film. Now, Mr. Evil glues on a fake mustache and dons the best leisure suit a man could own. The perfect disguise, one might say. He then attends a party where he hits on a Linnea Quigley ripoff. Apparently, the producers <laughs> couldn't afford the queen herself. Now, unfortunately, Mr. Evil has to go hang with Eric Estrada, but he's able to convince the blonde to come with him. <laughs> what a time capsule fucking stamp on this movie. Eric Estrada in his prime on chips. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Could you just imagine being Eric Estrada and someone's like, hey, Eric, um, have you seen the movie New Year's <laughs> Evil? And he's like, no, I've never heard of it. And they're like, ah, you might want to watch it because they definitely name drop you as a celebrity that the killer is going to hang out with. And Eric Estrada is just slapping his his fat ass in those in those motorcycle cops. Oh, shorts. yeah, with those boots. Just, just and he's like, don't talk to me anymore. And he's just keeps slapping that big old juicy butt. Oh, is. yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> fucking boy. <laughs> fucking so bad. What are we doing? Why don't we do this fucking podcast? <laughs> I don't know, but I really I really need a visual of Eric Estrada just slapping his own juicy ass now. God damn it. Because of you. Then the band at the uh, the New Year's Evil Bash, they, they play a song called Dumb Blondes. Go figure. The funny thing, though, or maybe the ironic thing, is the blonde isn't so dumb, actually. And she tells Mr. Evil that she's got to bring along her roommate because it's too dangerous to just go traipsing off with a stranger. So they embark to his car. Which, good for her. Good for her. Honestly, probably the smartest decision anyone in this movie has made so far. Good for her. The question is, will it pay off? No, it won't pay off. Midnight is about to strike in Chicago, and Blaze opts to continue the show. The sergeant also tells her that the mysterious killer is using some sort of voice modulator, which is why when he says things on the phone, it sounds like this. (laughs) It's awful. Now, in the car, Mr. Evil gets a little frustrated that he's behind schedule. And also, the blonde chick is super fucking annoying. If I were him, I would have killed her, too. Uh, Like here, honestly, her death is probably justified for a myriad of reasons. One of them being that she's super fucking annoying. So annoying. (laughs) They make a pit stop at a liquor store so the roommate can go take a piss. And she goes in, and then Mr. Evil suffocates the fake Linnea Quigley with a Ziploc bag. Now, the roommate walks back out, but doesn't see the car anywhere. However, she finds the girl's shoe, which leads her to a dumpster where, lo and behold, Mr. Evil is hiding. He jumps out and kills her ass, too. Two hours until midnight. Also... Something we didn't mention when he they get to this gas station, Mr. Evil is like, here's a hundred dollar bill. Go buy the best bottle of champagne you can buy. And then they show that interaction happening where he she buys this bottle of champagne from this gas station attendant and he's like giving her the change back. And like maybe this isn't going to really read in podcast form. You have to go watch it. But it is just like the worst fucking acting probably since like Samurai Cop. 
I it was <laughs> so bad that little three second excuse me three second interaction. He's giving her the change and he's looking her dead in the eye and he's like, forty five, fifty five, sixty five. 75 and then he just keeps getting closer and his eyes just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and there's no fucking reason why it is honestly this is the scariest part of the whole movie yeah so one thing that i want to add that i noticed and i don't know if you guys noticed this too is the first killing and the second killing there was a shoe left behind and in both instances they the the woman looking for the friend finds the shoe before they find the body Good catch. I did oh, not catch that's that. A, yeah, that's a that's a good point. That is a good point. <clears throat> the shoe killer. The shoe killer. The shoe. Killer. The shoe? At the New Year's Evil bash, Mr. Evil calls in again and tells him where to find the bodies of his latest victims. He then changes clothes and heads off into the night. At the red light, he gets hassled by some bikers because his new costume is that of a priest, which is apropos for someone who is fucking horrible. He then hits the bikers with his car and has to speed away from the scene. A rookie fucking mistake, Val. Yeah. You don't like, mess with is, the Sons of Anarchy. Have you ever, have you ever just like, <laughs> <laughs> have you ever like listened to like a true crime podcast and they're like talking about how like every time a serial killer is caught, it's for something really fucking stupid. Just like they make, like they just make the dumbest mistake in the world and you just can't even believe it. But it's always simple mistake. Like sure. fucking BTK was like, sending emails from the public library and they were like yeah we can just trace your ip bud yeah. and then just waited on him to show back up to send another one like it's Stupid. like this this is what i'm talking like this motherfucker just hits a goddamn bison like a fucking dude who looks like he's he's trading in meth it's also <laughs> the cops aren't that much smarter than him oh, no, 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 like especially no. the cops with the the women in the dumpster like that that we need a whole movie about those two because those cops are morons and they would be very fun to watch in a full feature length film. Oh, it'd be great. I would love to see that slapstick comedy. Now, obviously the bikers aren't too keen on this and follow suit. So Dahmer priest has to try and lose them. His escape plan is a drive-in movie. Unfortunately, old Padre is caught. So he has to abandon his car and shortly after gets jumped by a biker. So he guts him like a pig. Mr. Evil then hijacks a car with a girl in the back and drives out of the theater. And like, look, it's easy for me to say sitting where I am as just a viewer of this film. But if I'm the girl in the backseat and a random man gets into the front seat of this car, I'm fucking getting out. I don't care if my titties are out. I don't care. Like, cause she's like trying, like trying to get her, her sweater buttoned up or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, dude, get out of the car. What are you doing? Right. Am I wrong here? You know, I have to also say, like, that's the thing. And I think another thing that's been lost to time is the the world in which people would go to a drive in movie theater and every single car, just everyone's fucking just fucking just fucking in the back of a car. Like maybe they stopped because of movies like this, where we we learned that creepy dudes are going to come and try to steal our car with us inside. Came in, maybe lessons learned, maybe. <laughs> uh, but speaking of the drive in, though. The drive-in theater seems to show Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Feast from 1963, but it is not. The movie showing is actually The Red Queen Kills Seven Times from 1972, also known as La Dama Rosso Ucci de Sette Volte. It was also distributed under the name Blood Feast, which has caused some confusion. They said, um, is La Dama Rosa Ucci de Sette Volte, isn't that a dish from Olive Garden? 
You know, it does sound similar to a dish that I would have served back in the day. So, did you put this trivia in here just to ask about Olive Garden? <laughs> I don't Please know if yes. anyone knows this, but that's actually Sydney's favorite restaurant is Olive Garden. I, I mean, look, when you're here, your family, I don't, I get it. Uh, okay, so many things here. I'm not going to go any further. Yes, we- I did work at Olive Garden. Yes, it was miserable. Yes, I do like breadsticks. Those are my answers. Sure. But the, the defense rests. Family. <laughs> can you, okay, can we just take a brief pause here for a second and address yep. the fact that we've never seen an Olive Garden in a Fast and a Furious movie? And it's actually like, shocking. That is a crime. That is a crime. Well, Maybe they'll I mean, fix it with Fast 10. Well, they need to. The budget is ballooned so much, they have to have some sort of sponsorship. So we're just going to see Olive Gardens the entire film. This is Vin Diesel just looking at the waitress in the face. She's like, when you're here, you're family. And he's like, family? You're here with your family? At this point, that franchise has gotten so off the rails that I wouldn't be surprised if instead of driving cars, they just start owning and operating Olive Garden franchises. And that <laughs> becomes the thing. Fast in the I Olive would Garden. see that. I would see that over the cars. I would watch that, yeah. And the girl in the backseat, she pleads for her life, but Mr. Evil doesn't bargain. He pulls the car over to the side of the road and almost hits two drunks. In the process, the girl escapes, so he gives chase through the woods. At the same time, the two drunks tell some just random police officers they saw Mr. Evil, and the police catch up, um, and he has to leave the girl behind or he is going to be caught. So he flees the scene. Good for this woman for being yeah, lucky. You know? I definitely like. I didn't remember this particular scene rewatching it, and I was like, "I wonder if she's gonna die or not." And uh, you know what? She doesn't. So, I was also curious about uh, his tactic of because there's like bleachers here, and he's just like tapping his knife on the bleachers. I did. You, was that just him just being creepy? You think? Echolocation. Think so. mm, he's a bad echolocation. Yes. Because well, you can man. see her hiding the whole time. It's not like she's hiding and they're showing shots of her hiding and then they're showing him doing that. You can clearly see her like under the thing right next to him because she's wearing is, bright purple. It is a horrible hiding spot, to be honest. Terrible. But, you know, I suppose when your life's on the line, anything will do. Sure. At the New Year's Evil Bash, the sergeant addresses the audience and tells them all they can't leave and come back. Oh, you pig! You pig! <laughs> Now, he does omit the details of the killing, but he does rile the crowd up a good ways. Now, the sergeant and the psychologist, because now there's a psychologist involved, obviously there's a psychologist involved, and they address Blaze and tell her that they're locking the building down since the killer might come back to attack Blaze. Derek, with his fishnet, fishnet mask on and newly donned laser beam sunglasses, leers on from the distance. At the same time, Mr. Evil arrives at the hotel. I really needed a shot explaining what the fuck those sunglasses things were because it just comes Why out of nowhere and it's never what addressed. And did anyone see him? No one noticed this guy wearing no stuff? Uh, fucking Cyclops we, motherfucker. This is what we're like talking about, like how terrible the police are. No one is going to address the creepy dude wearing a fishnet and sunglasses. Yeah, even like what, what was the character uh, LeVar Burton played in Star Trek? Does anyone remember his name? Uh, with the uh, I don't remember his name, but with the Cyclops looking mask. Yes, that's yeah. the that's the sunglasses he has on. And then like the cops are just like, oh, that guy. Oh, no, he's cool. He's cool. Yeah, I would like to to put forth a new acronym. Mm-hmm. So we got a cab. All cops are bastards. What about yes. Acai? 
all cops are idiots. And you I do like the little it. you do the little squiggle at the bottom of the C. But would you mm. okay, so yeah, so we're definitely are doing a play on that that uh that like breakfast dish. Yeah, right? the berry. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just I'll just like check it. just a pulse check on on uh all, all caps S I E. I'll all right. I'll 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 raise this in my next Antifa meeting and see what they have to say about <laughs> oh it. Oh my Thank god. You. Thank you, Kevin. Not Sydney's, to be Sydney's going to divorce me after this. Mr. Evil plays a trick on a cop to make him leave a side door unattended. He bricks his ass. Literally. He hits him in the face with a brick. He then steals the uniform and walks into the building unopposed. Inside of the building, he immediately changes clothes <laughs> once again. This is some fucking Lady Gaga level shit at this point. Okay. This is like a level of Hitman. The cops just sees this new cop wearing the other cop's uniform and it's like, yeah, cool. You're good, dude. Go ahead and go. And then he immediately finds a trunk of clothes right there. What? Asai. All cops are idiots. Asai. <laughs> the, not the berry though we gotta make not that berry. clear we can't get it confused not so the berry blaze heads back to her dressing room with a police escort but the cop almost shoots Derek who seems to have snapped back to reality he gets pissed because his mom sucks and storms off someone then pops out in a mask and a jumpsuit behind her and it's Mr. Evil but it's also Richard I don't know if you guys remember this, but Richard is Blaze's husband. And now he was the big surprise that Derek had planned for his mom that she kept ignoring the entire movie. This was a reveal, right? This was a reveal. Because okay, they showed, I yeah, they show Mr. Evil's face the entire movie. He is not like hidden at all. Right. He's, he's just known mis- as Jeff. Prior to this, he's Jeff Winners. Or okay. Mr. Evil. Because I wasn't sure if I was just like fucking around at the beginning and I like missed a scene where they like we saw that that was her husband. So I wasn't sure if this was a reveal or not. It is a big In reveal. It's a big twist, right? Because we think he's off somewhere doing ketamine and cocaine and quaaludes and yeah. Which honestly Pretty probably cool twist. more fun to be doing that than you know trying to like schedule all these murders. Like oh sure, I I struggle scheduling anything, much less time to kill people. God damn, yeah, sure. But lot. pretty cool, pretty cool reveal. I thought. Yeah, no, super cool. It's a really fun one because you do see his face the whole movie, but you never can like it's his face is never connected to anyone else. Yeah, but you do hear the name Richard being dropped a few times earlier on in the film, so it is a nice fun little like oh fuck, this is it. Now, he claims that he came up once he heard some crazy guy was harassing her at the show. She unassumingly tells him that she'll see them both after the the, the event is done. And Richard, a.k.a. Mr. Evil, walks out of the room and the officer confronts him and tells him. But Richard tells him it's gravy because Blaze's manager okayed it and had him let into the hotel. The police officer doing the only smart thing a police officer has done the entire movie. He decides to call and confirm with his sergeant. Yeah, a only good thing that they've done all movie. And we cut to Mr. Evil as he's fucking around with a breaker box that simultaneously allows him to mess with the elevators as well as the security cam inside of the elevators. And I don't know, but either we're, way, this- we're making some leaps in logic here. I don't know that that's how this stuff works, but I'm just going along for the ride and accepting that this can happen. 
Yeah. I did note that his profession must have been engineering or something. Because mm. I don't think the average person would know how to manipulate all the wires to also look at the camera inside of the sure. elevator and make it go up and down so much. Sure. Also, the fact that he was doing all of this with just a screwdriver. And also, this, they're like, did you guys notice right before he starts doing this, all of a sudden a chest is just there with all these tools for him to use? That's that I the think... chest where his clothes were. Right, I think maybe the implication is that he planted this beforehand, but that it wasn't like addressed. So it was mm. like, okay, he just has a chest with all of his shit now. Okay, that works. Well, considering how haphazardly he's been doing all these killings, like I don't know if he's smart enough to to plan ahead on anything. But you know, I do like where your head's at. I do like it. Now, either way, the sergeant finds out that Richard is apparently a psychopath and that he had spent time at the Crawford Sanitarium back in the past. And all of the police are now put on high alert because he's in the building. Now, Blaze and the cop, they get into the elevators and Mr. Evil short circuits them, sending the elevator plummeting to the ground. He stops the elevator and opens the door and knocks the cop out, then tells Blaze the show will go on without her. He plays her the recording of one of his killings, and she realizes the killer all along has been her husband. Mr. Evil then explains his motives. Now, bear with me here because this is a lot to unpack. Mr. Evil is Elon Musk. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, Mr. Evil is an incel. Mr. Evil is Elon Musk. Uh, and he thinks that his wife is a tramp. And killed a bunch of women because of it for some fuck all reason. He also used the word castration. So you can definitely tell this guy spends way too much time on Twitter. Then he explains that she's a sh not only a shitty mother, but just a horrible human being who takes all of the money away from her, which away from him, which at this point, I have to say, like, I can't fault him for that accusation because she's actually a pretty fucking terrible mother. Yeah, that is where they've given those circumstances to us in the throughout this film that she is an absent mother. Yeah, she's terrible. So, like, I can't blame him for that. All the other stuff like, dude, fuck off. Now, either way, once he's done killing Blaze, <laughs> his plan is to take his little boy, a grown fucking man, by the way, to the Rose Bowl for some college football action. I screamed when <laughs> that line happened. Like, I'm just going to take Derek to the Rose Bowl. I was like, what the fuck? What a weird, I will say this is thing. like the one part of the movie that felt truly trash cinema to me. I, I love watching I trash cinema movies because you just have off the wall shit like that all the time. And this was yeah. the first time where I was like, this is what I needed. I needed this guy to just start saying that after all these killings, he just really wants to take his little boy to the <laughs> Rose Bowl. Yeah. Also, I, I didn't write down the entire monologue because I couldn't go as fast as he was talking, but I did write down some of it because it's just, it, it's a mess. So she's Please. basically like, why, why are you doing this? She's like, like kind of like holding herself. Cause she's like scared. She's like, why are you killing these people? And he says, why? <laughs> because I'm fed up. You're just like every other girl in my life. Derek told me how you behave around other men and how you tried to turn on your own son. And that's not very nice. Ladies are deceitful, immoral, and very, very selfish. So essentially this guy was like, you hurt my feelings. And I'm, so now I'm killing people. because He's an incel. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's a fucking incel. Um, there's another part in the movie or like in his monologue where he's like talking to her and he's like, and did you even know? 
that Derek got a leading role in the TV series Spacecraft America? And when he auditioned, he didn't, yeah, he didn't use his last name because he didn't want to just get the role because of who you are. But he still got it. And he didn't need you. Did you even know that? Spacecraft or Space Station or Spaceship America or whatever the fuck that show is called. I I want to to, uh, back my my previous statement say that show sounds like shit but honestly i think i'd watch it with derek leading the charge i don't see how it's he's not just fucking win. over there snorting his weird ass pills he's been eating wearing fishnet the whole show and they're <laughs> like i don't know man, he's a method actor like the derek the future jared leto yeah emphasis on meth and method actor <laughs> <laughs> Now, Mr. Evil brags, uh, or Mr. Evil drags Blaze out of the elevator and sends it halfway up the door. So I have to try to explain this, and it's hard to understand unless you're watching. But basically, he sends the elevator where it's enough space that he can chain her to the bottom of the elevator. And he's got this great plan, right? Where he's essentially going to do like the peach drop or like the whatever the fuck they call it, the ball drop or whatever. So he's going to send it up to the top floor. Then kill the elevator and let it drop down immediately, and then presumably crushing her at some point. I don't know the logistics behind this because I'm not an elevator technician, nor I'm an engineer. I'm a fucking idiot. But honestly, pretty fucking cool. Pretty idea. fucking cool idea. I mean, like if you're gonna do it, like you're like that, you're committing to the bit. Also, a really weird part about this. So yeah, so he's like. He chains her with actual physical, like, linked chains. And it, like, takes it all the way up. And then I guess someone gets in the elevator. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but, like, they don't ever address. Like, I used to give, or I gave one of my uh, friends a hard time. Because one time, like, we were talking about a show. And he was like, it just really bothered me that they didn't give me a shot of him, like, going from point A to point B. It just really bothered me that like there was no and I I made fun of him so much for it. I was like, so this entire thing was bullshit because you didn't see him going from A to B. This movie, I get it. I needed a shot of someone getting in that elevator because it made no fucking sense why there were people in this elevator that he had like halfway down like an open shaft. Just didn't make sense and it bothered me, Cameron. Well, it never shows them getting on the elevator. And then when it actually shows them in the elevator, they're like, it's a couple sitting down in the <laughs> elevator, kind of how they were before. Yeah. And they're just like hanging out, chillaxing in this elevator when shit goes awry. Taking all sorts of drugs, I assume. It's, it's also worth pointing out that when the elevator like starts to drop, because he fucks with the elevator, right? And he like sends it down again. <clears throat> What ends up happening is, is the people in the elevator, the guy looks at the girl because it's like a couple, right? And they're obviously celebrating New Year's. They're covered in garland and shit and got their New Year's hats on. And he looks at her and he's like, there's some funky jazz going on. What? They're what? on some sort of acid or something. Has to I, I'm going to start The answer to everything that. is drugs, clearly. Yeah, yes. clearly. Yes. Drugs are the best. Don't I mean, they're these 1980s punks. What else are they going to do but take drugs? Yeah. Yeah, dude, if, if there were Quaaludes still, you fucking better believe I'd be doing them right now on this show. Yeah. In this moment in time, just fucking yeah. killed some Quaaludes. But I will say, I'm going to start using the phrase, there's some funky jazz going on here. <laughs> like, yeah, this point forward. I will use that phrase. No, I, I think it's great. Anytime something's going wrong, there's some funky jazz going on There's some funky jazz going on here. Two days from now, I'm going to have heard it 80 times. It's yes. fine. Oh, I know. 
the cops <laughs> approach Mr. Evil, who is fucking with the elevator still. But Mr. Evil's got a gun, and a shootout ensues. In the gunfire, the cops shoot the breaker, which stops the elevator? So that's good because it saves Blaze's life. Mr. Evil then runs up the stairs with the police in hot pursuit. Mr. A- Mr. Evil is able to shoot one of the cops before trapping himself on the rooftop of the hotel. Now fully unhinged, he puts back on his weird-ass rubber mask that he's worn once in the entire movie, quotes some Shakespeare or some shit, and then belly flops off of the building, falling hundreds of feet to his doom and splatterfication all over the parking lot below. So that bit, so he was speaking words written by one William Shakespeare, uh, which are uh, lines from Hamlet. Have you heard of it, Cameron? Oh. Have you ever heard of Hamlet? I, I don't. I've never heard of that. To be or not to be. <gasps> to jump or not to jump. <laughs> Why Hamlet? Also, well, I mean, it's it's the the ultimate tragedy that he's the tragedy of his own, or he's the tragic character of his own story. He thinks he's fucking mm. Hamlet. Okay, well, hey, there's there's like this is like a glass onion. Sure, except honestly, maybe better. Ryan Johnson's glass onion. Um, also, I do want to take a moment to mention how fucking awesome the mask is. When I was in college, I took a mask class. It was like a mask making and mask performance class, and of course, there's this. Of course, I mean theater major. What else was I gonna fucking do? <laughs> fucking uh, weirdo. And it was something that I learned in that class, which is really cool, is that when, when in like mask performance, they make often they make masks to where based on like the positioning, it can kind of trick your eye into thinking it is like making a new face. And this mask totally did that. Like there are times when the mask looks like it's sad, and there are times like this time it has this like wry smile on it. They're like what right before he's about to jump, he like the mask all of a sudden makes him look even crazier than he actually is. And so I I just want to say shout out to whoever did the costume design and made this mask because it I thought it actually really elevated the character in the story. Because did anyone did anyone notice that the mask kind of looked like you remember in point break? Oh, well, I know you do, Patrick. Obviously, you're a huge point break fan. Um, but they all wear the president's fit like masks when they yes all their bank I, I felt the same way yeah did anyone think that this was like a really weird like riff on like richard nixon i, I thought yeah. it was like an like an uncanny valley like nixon mask for sure mm-hmm. yeah it was weird i loved it honestly i love yeah, no mask. i thought it was great i i honored the mask was like one of my favorite parts of the movie i thought it really added like a cool extra layer to it you know and so the, the here's my thing is when we have this discussion about the mask i'm like I do kind of wish they would have used the mask more, but I do also love the fact that you see the killer's face from literally the first like five minutes of the movie. Yeah. So when the big reveal happens, it's like, holy shit, like that's yeah. actually pretty fucking cool how they like they really like flipped the trope on its head where it was like this reveal has is it's still a reveal, but like it's he's in plain sight the whole film. Yeah. I think it could have been cool if he used the mask as he was killing people, but like he he was unmasked in the lead up, like in the kind of like the convincing part and like the tricking Ooh. part. And it could have been cool if like right before he kills them, he puts the mask on. Oh, I, um, like I would have liked to have seen the mask more, but what I did see, I really thought was awesome. I dig it. I dig it. Now Derek runs out and he finds his dear old daddy crumpled on the ground, dead blood everywhere. And after a somber moment, he picks up the mask and is pulled away by the police. Now blaze is rescued. And she's ushered out the door on a stretcher and put into the back of an ambulance. 
Oh my god, is that Blaze? <laughs> I don't know why you weren't in this movie, Sid. Yes, you should have been in this movie. However, the driver isn't who you think it is. It's Derek wearing his insult father's fucking mask and they drive off into the night. Roll credits. Pretty cool. Like, I love this ending. Where's the second movie? I need number two now. Yeah. You know, what's... like, I, I love the implication that, like, he's going to just go, like, it's it's up to us. Like, is he going to have a change of heart and, like, save his mom? Is he going to just kill her and go be Mr. Evil Jr.? He's just driving off into the abyss. You know, what's interesting about this? I looked up to see if I could find any sort of answer as to whether or not there was a sequel like, was there a sequel that was going to be made because of the way this film ended? And there is nothing. There is no information at all. So either they just really like to pull that whole M. Night Shyamalan shit. M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan. So, like, I don't know if they were, like, going for that route or it was, like, there's just no one's really ever talked about this before. I mean, it's, like, a, a fairly decent. This is, like, a cult classic. People do watch this film. It's not just us on this podcast. Uh, obviously it's not as big as something like silent night deadly night but like it is like i'm curious like was there a plans for a sequel to new year's evil like and what do you call like new year's eve evil like what like what what, what, do, you, what do you call a sequel to this movie i feel like new there's... year's evil revolution Ooh, resolution yeah. resolution oh that's God good new year's evil resolution that's really good Honestly, i also that's feel like, like they're early 2000s yeah, movie title. There, shit. there might be like some sort of a play on words with like old Lang Syne, like some sort of a pun that's like old Lang kill. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I, look, I, this is off the cuff, not good, but like this, they might be something <laughs> there, but but it's probably not gonna. It's definitely not gonna be as good as New Year's Evil Resolution. That's that's the that's the move. That right? is the that's that's the peak right now. I wonder if if it didn't happen though because of like budget stuff like obviously this movie didn't have like a super high budget but i think it had a higher i would guess it had a higher budget than a lot of the movies we've covered and so maybe it was the kind of thing where they actually had studio backing and then the studio didn't green light another sequel i don't know total yeah, guessing well conjecture but very well could be well guys that brings us to the end of the show where we ask the question save it or can it would you save this film or would you can this film so i'm going to start us off with sydney our everyone's favorite dumpster girl to give her final thoughts and whether or not that she would save the film or can it sydney so i'm going to start by saying that i want to save this film however mm. Typically, when we watch trash cinema films, I'm all about like the blood and the gore and the obnoxious killings, all of those things. And so I went into this movie hoping for that. And I did not get a whole lot of that, which I said earlier with like the Rose Bowl thing, like some yeah. of those silly things I didn't get. So I, I was a little disappointed in that. However, if you just look at this movie for being a horror drama and going in with that thought, then... I, I do think that it serves a purpose and I do think that it does its job. And so I, I would say I would save this movie. However, it's not my favorite trash cinema of the trash cinema films that we've watched over the years. It, it would not rank high on that list. Sure. Sure. I, I totally understand that. Now, Patrick, the notorious Patrick, the notorious B.I.G. Mm. That's me. Beefy. Mm. 
something with I guy. <laughs> Whatever that I stands for, I don't know. Beautiful, interesting grandma. Yes. <laughs> now, Patrick, Mr. Alberta's Chili Bowl, man. God damn it. <laughs> Can I go just say it one more time? The, the meat Alberta. pie's biggest fan. Anyways, uh, meat pies. Patrick, so, what would you say this film or Canada? It's funny. I, I totally agree with everything Sydney said, except like I'm on the other side of it. Like, I actually, I like this movie, I think, as much as I do because I'm not going to say this isn't trash cinema, but this just is like a, like a good horror movie. It feels like to me, like there, there weren't as many uh, like trash things throughout that. Uh, Cause like with me, favorite movie we've ever done here is demonic toys. Like, it's not that I don't like trash cinema. I just, I think I'm hard to please with the weird and like the, the stupid. Uh, and so I, I liked that this movie didn't have a ton of that, that it was just like a, by the book just a good horror movie um so i definitely do think it's it's worth saving for sure because i think it's if if you like hadn't seen this movie and you just listened to it i think you should go watch it because i I had a a genuine good time with this movie it's not the best movie i've ever seen but it's not the fast and the furious so of course not uh so but yeah so this is this ranks pretty high on my on my list for this podcast so job well done cayman because of that last comment you made about Fast and Furious, you do deserve the title of Georgia's Best Alberta's Chili Bowl. Georgia's Best Alberta Chili Bowl. Yep. Yep. Yes, got him. Yeah. Okay, so for me, my final thoughts on Save It or Canada, I'm saving this film as well. Um, I, I think both of you make very good points on different things. Like, to Sydney's point, yes, there is not a lot of, like, the weird funny, like yeah. or, like, the bad funny that you would normally get from, like, a trash cinema film there's really no gore on screen. You, you see like some aftermath of some of the kills, but there's no real, like, like there's no real gore gore on scene. Like, you know, this is not like a, my bloody Valentine where like, this just wanton mayhem the entire film. But to Patrick's point, like it honestly is, it's a competently made horror film. And yeah. for the time, and the fact that it's a holiday horror film that is comp- competently made is very interesting because that like rarely happens. Mm-hmm. A lot of these are bad. I would probably put this along the same lines of something like uh, Slumber Party Massacre or Silent Night, Deadly Night, where it's like this is actually a decent movie. And what's funny about it is the first time I watched this movie, I actually didn't really like it that much. Really? And I don't know if it was because of... of what Sydney had said where it was like, just because there was not a lot of gore, there's not a lot of fun. Like there's, I mean, there's some fun moments, but like, it's not like chock full of just weird shit. That you can just like laugh out loud to. Um, but like watching it a second time, I was like, honestly, I really dig this movie. Like this is like a cool movie to watch, especially on new year's day. Like, you know, you're starting off your new, you know, your year, right. I always try to watch silent night, deadly night in the same within, you know, Christmas time. Like that is like my go-to a uh, Christmas horror film. So, but like this definitely, I could see this being for me, like this could be like a tra- yearly tradition for New Year's Day, just jumping on and watching New Year's Evil. Yeah. It's just fun. Also, that fucking theme song slaps, guys. It slaps. Yeah. Put it in the New Year's Eve uh, playlist for next year. 100%. 100%. Well, if everyone, like, guys, I, I, I'm going to take a moment. Thank you so much for being here with us today listening to the episode we took last week off to just get some holiday time for ourselves and our family and just to take a little bit of a break because putting this show together is a lot of hard work and we really appreciate you guys sticking with us through the first year of stc and then coming back to us for 2023 
And if you've enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and share the hell out of it. Your friends, loved ones, and worst of enemies. Honestly, word of mouth is key here. We aren't beggars. Also, a fuck Keith. Fuck mm. Keith. Right, right in his dirty little chili bowl. <laughs> oh, God. That lasted if, way longer than needed way to. Way longer than it needed to. <laughs> if you've been interested in video games, check out our sister podcast, The Spotlight Games Podcast, on all of your favorite streaming services. We also have a YouTube channel, so don't be a heathen. Watch this banter about video games there as well. And if you're on Twitch, guess what? We are streaming every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, so come and check it out with us live. It's a ton of fun. Join the audience. Have a great time. In the meantime, you can follow me at Kid Kamen. Patrick, where can they follow you, bud? They can follow me on Twitter at Patrick Schwag, S-C-H-W-A-G. Sydney, is there any Instagram accounts or Twitter accounts that you want people to follow since you don't have one yourself? No. <laughs> no. All right. Well, you can follow our sister podcast at Spot Games Pod on Twitter and Spotlight Games Pod on Instagram. You can follow STC, like I said, at Save Trash Cinema on all socials. Have a happy new year and... Remember, fight big box office, save trash cinema. I'm going to commit murder at midnight. Why is the